Welcome to The Sword and the Trial, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell. Thanks for listening to The Sword and the Trial today. We want to let you know that we do have our conference coming up December 5th through the 7th. On the law and the gospel, you can still register for that. We would love for you to do so and come join us down here in Kick Coral. We've got a lot of exciting stuff planned. We have our film, By What Standard, that we're going to be releasing just to those who are coming to the conference, and it will soon be released uh, to the broader public. But uh, you can register at founders.org. Yeah, the registration ends this week, though, so uh, get in while you can. And also, if you're coming to Southwest Florida in uh, December, those days, we've already checked the weather forecast. You need to be sure and bring heavy coats and boots and uh, wool hats because it's supposed to get down into the 50s. We oh, understand. man, yes, yeah. the 50s. That would be so, nice. <laughs> yeah. We look forward to having you here. It's been a great uh, build up to it. And, and as we mentioned, I think last week, or maybe we didn't give his name, but Jim Renahan will be joining us for this yes. conference. And so Jim is, is the president of the IRBS Seminary. If you don't know about him, you can look him up. And we're grateful that he's going to participate in important subject, law and gospel. That's right. This is so foundational. So many of the issues that we're confronting today that are confounding believers are rooted in a misunderstanding or a lack of appreciation of law and gospel. So we hope to hit on that in a clear way and then, man, to to have the opportunity to view the synodoc that's been Mm -hmm. developed over the last many months. And we're going to have a QA and a about that afterwards as well. So it's a great opportunity. And a big thank you to those of you who have supported Founders Ministries, being a part of the FAM and supported the documentary and uh, we rejoice to say that we have reached our goal for that documentary and we also reached our goal for the matching gift that was very generously yes. offered by one of our supporters of $11,500 and that was met and the total goal for the film yeah. was met so we're rejoicing in that. Yeah one of the great things that has happened because of the generosity of supporters is we now have an opportunity going forward to do uh, more documentaries. I and mean, we have enough material right now to do a second and probably a third documentary with, without recording anything else. And we are committed to moving forward with more and more releases, maybe of just like short films that address specific issues. Uh, some of the best footage that we have is not going to make it in to this documentary. It's because of the way the, the arc of the story has developed. Mm-hmm. But we are going to release it. We're going to do it. So as God provides the support, as people continue to give and help us with that, and we have the resources, man, we're, we're going to keep releasing material in a format that will be useful for Christians, church leaders, congregations yep. to learn, get up to speed about some of these real struggles. So thank you for your support. Uh, if you're able, we would welcome you to continue to support this so that we can continue this over the next year, releasing uh, very helpful material. Well, today we want to get into um, the topic of revoice and the uh, issue with the hiring of Karen Swallow Pryor uh, by Danny Aiken at the Southern Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, this is something that's come about. You've written two articles on founders, and there's been a lot of people that are talking about this. I've had a number of conversations in the wake of this whole thing. And so just to set up how, how we got here, um, I don't remember how long ago it was, but recently there was the announcement that Karen Swallow Pryor was hired um, by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And um, when I received that announcement, I thought that it seemed like a watershed moment to me because um, the people that I know and trust and read 
uh, have been saying that Revoice is a fundamentally flawed conference. I mean, I'm listening to Al Mohler on this. I'm listening to Denny Burke on this. I'm listening to Rosaria Butterfield on this, Kevin DeYoung on this. And uh, from the time Revoice began, you know, even before the conference ever started, people were saying this is a bad deal. And right. then when you're looking at it and you're saying, well, it's a, it's a conference that's um, trying to help gay Christians uh, live this way. As soon as I saw that title, I'm thinking that just, we've got problems here. So uh, when I heard that Karen Swallow had endorsed the conference, and then I heard that she was hired by Southeastern, and I, I have heard nothing of her retracting that endorsement, I thought, this is a really big deal. And so we've talked about these things, and you tried to investigate this and figure out, has there been a retraction of that uh, endorsement of Revoice? And that's kind of led up to where we're at now. Yeah, I, when Revoice was announced last year. You know, I was caught off guard because I had not kept up with that branch of the evangelical world. But I did some research and started listening and started reading things by Nate Collins and Wesley Hill and mm-hmm. seeing what these guys were advocating, what they were proposing, and became highly alarmed. And once the conference happened, I listened to some of the talks and you know, talk about redeeming queer culture and uh, you know what the good parts of queer culture that will be taken into the New Jerusalem will be. And it just didn't sound like Christianity to me. And so I had severe concerns about this. Talked to some Southern Baptist leaders about it, and they all said, yep, that's Revoice has nothing to do with us. You know, we're not there. Everybody in the SBC is straight on this. And then last month, you hear that one of our seminaries has employed someone who's hiring a new professor who has publicly come out endorsing Revoice. And, and so Southeastern Seminary, the president's Danny Aiken. I've known Danny a long time and uh, respect him, kind of a friend. So I contacted him and asked questions about, you know, what is this? Has the professor renounced her endorsement? And, and he didn't know and said, anyway, I didn't get the right answer, an answer that's satisfying to me from him. So I tried to find a way that I could speak to Dr. Pryor and uh, wasn't able to do that. But I was given her email address so I could write her. So I e- emailed her with these concerns and questions. She responded to me without directly answering the question that I asked us, have you withdrawn your endorsement and your support mm-hmm. of Revoice? Walked it back, I think was your exact language. Or, y- yes. There's been debate even on that of what you were asking. It seemed clear to me you were asking, uh, how, do you renounce this endorsement yeah. that you have given? I mean, yeah. So it wasn't, I mean, it, it wasn't ambiguity in, in my mind or my language, I think about that point because I told her what I'd asked Danny and that Danny wasn't able to give me a straight answer on. And from that, I thought, well, you know, okay. I mean, she's really trying to mitigate the worst dimensions of this and let that go for now. And then last week she came out in a public uh, interview with the biblical recorder in which she says, and this is why I still support the mission of revoice in its efforts to da, 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 da. Well, the mission that Revoice itself says it has is not nearly as qualified and nuanced as what Karen Swallow Pryor said. Mm-hmm. I support its mission in this. And, you know, I don't, I just think that's disingenuous and dangerous to think I can identify the mission of the organization I'm going to support in ways that is not the same that they endorse the mission. So, with that, I wrote this article 
And uh, there was some reaction to it. And so I've written a second article to try to clarify and give a timeline. Uh, Dr. Pryor released those private emails, you know, so as if that were a smoking gun uh, that somehow outed me, which doesn't at all. All it does is, you know, violates the sense of privacy you have whenever you're having communications like that. But nevertheless, the issue remains. This is a serious thing. Revoice is poison. It's poison at its core. And it says some great things up here, but at its foundation, you strip it back. The whole thing is building ramparts against the gospel. And if we don't see this and get upstream of what is being promoted and revoiced and say, man, where is this coming from and address that, then we're not going to be very helpful in protecting the gospel of Jesus Christ from being undermined in these uh, these ways by these different ideologies. Right. So I'm going to be clear on a number of things up front. One, um, there's no relish in the controversy or the conflict that's yeah. happening. Karen Swallow Pryor is a sister in Christ. I'd be happy to sit down with her for coffee. Be happy to sit down here with her and have a meal. Um, there, there does seem to be some significant differences here. And this present issue kind of highlights what's going on underneath uh, the surface and gives us an opportunity to do the careful theological analysis that we ought to do um, when it comes to this particular issue. So um, as as this has unfolded, it seems to me there have been three approaches that, to the issue of the Revoice Conference that have been coming up. Um, some people uh, just really seem hostile in mm-hmm. their approach to Revoice, right? They're saying even the intentions of these right. people, trying to assume their intentions and all this stuff, um, you know, would call them enemies and all that kind of thing. Um, well, we know that's that's not right. We're what you have written, what we have said, and what we believe is not anything about their intentions. Right. It's about what they're actually um, propagating. Um, over here on this other side, it seems to be that there's like, you know, it, Revoice is not fundamentally flawed. It might be misguided. It might mm-hmm. have some serious problems, maybe some speakers that we disagree with. Um, but, you know, we can still support its mission in part, or we can we can kind of, um, we, we can't maybe team up with them, but we can can be grateful for what they're they're doing, doing and trying in, to in do. some sense. That would be Karen Swallow Pryor, I think. I mean, I, I believe that's where she is. That's what I think that she where she's at, given right. what she said to the biblical recorder. Again, she didn't say that uh, you know this is my personal mission that I want to help people that right. struggle with same sex attraction. That's my mission. I mean, I agree with that, but that's it's it's connected to it's its mission. Revoice. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, the the third is that there is actually revoice is fundamentally flawed. Revoice is not helping people who struggle with same-sex uh, desire. Mm-hmm. That um, and, and I think trying to get to, that, that's where um, where I am, it's where yeah. you are, it's where I see Rosaria Butterfield, it's where I see Al Moeller, it's where I see Denny Burke, it's where I see Kevin DeYoung um, and others on this issue. And I think that we have to get, we have to, we have to realize what's really at the heart of this. In my estimation, this is the doctrinal important part that we have all, all have to get to, is that this is about sexual orientation, the idea of sexual orientation. And as soon as some people hear that, it's like, okay, well, what do you mean? Uh, well, the idea of sexual orientation is the idea that homosexuality is not just something somebody does, like people who practice homosexuality. It's the way that the Bible talks about it, men who practice homosexuality, something you do. Uh, sexual orientation is the idea that homosexuality is a part of my identity. It is who I am. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I do. And so uh, Revoice uh, categorizes sexual orientation. It categorizes homosexuality as, um, as a part of someone's identity. They say it's under the uh, your identity is Christ, but the same way that you have um, a, an identity of race and you have an identity of 
gender or sex. You have an identity of sexual orientation. Um, this is how they spell it out. So some people are looking at this and going, well, is it, is it just about whether or not you call same-sex desire sin? Well, what's important to see is that question is very much built upon whether you see um, that you can be a gay Christian or that sexual orientation is actually a legitimate way to speak. Yeah. I think that is the critical issue, and a number of people have spoken on it. We want to kind of try to get into that and show the error in it today. Yeah, and, and to understand that, okay, before you're in Christ, your identity might be homosexual. It might be fornicator. It might be murderer because you are so identified with your sin. But the whole nature of the gospel and its working in our lives to bring us new birth, to bring us conversion, to bring us into union with Jesus Christ changes your identity. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul means mm-hmm. in 1 Corinthians 6. Again, we know these verses. Let me read them to you again, though. It's so fundamentally true. Don't you know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Well, that's what we all were. That was our identity. We were unrighteous. Specifically, don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, well, that's what we were. Idolaters, that's what we were. Adulterers, that's what we were. Men who practice homosexuality, that's what we were. Thieves, greedy, drunkards, revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Those people identified with those particular sins will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then he says, and such were some of you. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, your identity was that, but now you've got a new identity. And what Revoice does is they say, okay, the, the fundamental identity of a Christian is indeed union with Christ, being identified as a Christian. But in their own statement, they go on and they say this. Well, let me give you the full context. We believe that all Christians have been given a new spiritual identity in their union with Jesus Christ. Amen. That's right. This has happened through the work of the Spirit, result of their adoption. Uh, Spiritual identity constitutes the core reality of Christian existence. That is the truest element of Christian personhood, and it should therefore be the central feature of the Christian self-understanding. We would we would yep. say amen to that, amen. right? But it goes on, and those who share one Lord, one faith, one baptism, we believe, as those who share this, that other features within the composite of, composite of individual identity, and then it lists examples. And listen to these examples. Listen to them, such as nationality, ethnicity, gender, or sexual orientation. One of these things is not like the other. So nationality, I can be an American Christian and identify that way. Okay, that's true. Ethnicity, I can be uh, uh, half or quarter Syrian Christian or Caucasian Christian uh, or uh, other ethnic Christian, Mm -hmm. and that's true. Nothing simple about that. Gender, by that I think they mean male or female, uh, though they might be thinking about the whole scale of uh, gender identity now. And if that's true, that's a problem. But if you're just talking about male or female, you can be a, a Christian man, right. Christian woman. Sexual orientation, whoa. It's different. Sin. We're talking about sin now. Yeah, that can't be imported into your identity. And and they're clear about this. They say also in this statement, and what we're reading from is a statement on sexual ethics and Christian obedience. You can find it on Revoice's site. They say, we believe that theological dialogue about the nature of sexual orientation is necessary and that continued conversation regarding the discipleship and spiritual care of gay, lesbian, bisexual, and other same-sex attracted Christians Christian, is especially that. important. While discussions about terminology can be fruitful, we believe they can also cause unnecessary division within the family of 
of God and needless pain for many non-straight Christians. Whether individuals choose gay or same-sex attracted to describe their orientation and experience as a matter of wisdom and liberty and should not divide believers who otherwise share a commitment to historic Christian teaching about marriage and sexuality. Um, so th- this is not just an issue of terminology. No. There's a real fault line down there, and that's what we're trying to point to. And I, I think we're actually having the idea of like, well, you're misrepresenting Karen and all this stuff. We're, we're having this because we're trying to make sure the fault line is clear. Yeah. And, and Karen may come out and say, look, I, I, I agree with Rosaria, and I believe that this is, this is wrong. So I uh, want to clarify, listen to Rosaria on sexual orientation as a category of personhood is in direct contradiction with revoice um, this is from her site the question is is sexual orientation a concept that christians ought to use rosaria answers no biblical personhood what philosophers call ontology is found in genesis 127 it reveals that all who are redeemed by the atoning blood of christ are male and female image bearers of a holy god with a soul that will last forever and a body that will be glorified and redeemed in the New Jerusalem. And she actually talks about sexual orientation as a category, how it, it began as a 19th century category mistake fueled by Sigmund Freud and German romanticism. Uh, she goes on to say, quote, this new category of personhood, seeing people as essentially sexual beings whose objects of desire designate separate species of humans, as Foucault says, took hold. It quickly became a 20th century idol fueled by the sexual revolution and the belief that sexual autonomy is an immutable right. And with the 2015 U.S. Supreme Court decision in Obergefell versus Hodges, sex orientation as a category of personhood became a civil right appended to the 14th Amendment. The belief that sexual orientation is a category of personhood is on a collision course with the gospel. That's a, that's a fault line. If you are going to buy into this kind of, of a reality that say this is who I am, that's on a collision course with the gospel. She goes on and just, I want to read it all. She expresses my heart uh, exactly. By no means is my rejection of the category of sexual orientation a rejection of people who are struggling with same-sex sexual desire or a rejection that desire is both real and unchosen. I am saying that sexual orientation as a designation of personhood, who you are, is a category mistake, a mistaken way of talking about people. There is a worldview of difference between saying that you struggle with same-sex sexual attraction and that you are gay. Listen, a worldview of difference, a fault line, something that's on collision course with the gospel. Quote, one allows you to stand apart from your struggle, seeing homosexuality as a part of the fall. The other collapses your identity into your struggle, seeing sexual orientation as a morally neutral reality. And so she goes on to explain how this is all about your fight for sin. I mean, I, I, I love brothers and sisters that are struggling with same-sex attraction, and I want to help them to put their sin to death, just like I've got to put my sin to death. But I don't want them to hate themselves, as Rosaria says. See, we got to learn to hate our sin without hating ourselves. And if you teach that homosexuality is a part of your very identity, the implication is that you're going to hate yourself rather yeah. than hating your sin. Yeah, and so this <laughs> this sets up that sets up that massive problem in sanctification and mortification of sin. And it, it doesn't take seriously or doesn't appreciate what Paul writes in Romans 7 as he identifies the struggle that Christians have with their sin. Let me just read it again. He, he says, man, I find this war that is within me. In verse 14 of Romans 7, he says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm of the flesh sold under sin. I do not understand my own actions. 
it's a desire that I don't understand. It's like I'm not choosing this. That's what he's saying here. Uh, I don't understand uh, my, uh, my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree the law is good, uh, that the law is good, and I agree with it. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So he, he's saying, I, I have sin that remains within me. He's no longer identified as a murderer. That's not his primary identity. It's not his identity at all. He's a Christian, but he has sin. Remnants of that stuff that used to rule mm-hmm. and reign in his life still remains, and that's what we've got to mortify. I tell you, really helpful tools to uh, get at this is John Owen, the Puritan theologian on mortification sin and on indwelling sin. You read those volumes of Owen and he helps explain this. And that's what those that are caught up in this sexually confused understanding of themselves need as well. And then the idea that you can identify yourself with your sin it to, to tell somebody that is to misrepresent conversion. It's to misrepresent the power of the gospel. I remember a story of Mickey Cohen, who was a gangster in uh, the 19. 19- 40s and 50s in Los Angeles, he, he was like a, a hitman for Al Capone, and so he built a pretty big empire on the West Coast. One of his uh, employees went to hear Billy Graham and was converted, and so he kept getting after Mickey, well, you need to come here, you need to come here, and so Mickey Cohen went to the a crusade, I think it was in New York City, and he made a decision uh, during that crusade. Well, some Christians, uh, Bill Jones, I think was a businessman, and some others began to try to disciple him. And he began to pull away from him after a while. And so one of his uh, associates went to him and finally said, hey, man, what's going on here? Uh, why are you continuing in your criminal career? And, and Mickey Cohen responded. He said this, you never told me I had to give up my career. You never told me I had to give up my friends. There are Christian movie stars, Christian athletes, Christian businessmen. So what's the matter with being a Christian gangster? If I have to give all that up, if that's Christianity, count me out. And my fear is we're telling people you can have your sin, sexual identity, lusts, and be a Christian. Well, you can't. You can't. You can't, you can't identify yourself with that. You can't hold on to that as somehow central to your being. Do those things still exist? Yeah. The remnant of sin remains in every Christian and will until we get fully uh, sanctified and go to be with Jesus and are glorified. But in the here and now, you don't identify yourself as a Christian gangster or a Christian mobster or a Christian practitioner of bestiality or a gay Christian. You, you can't do that and have a full understanding and appreciation of the power of the gospel to make all things new. Right. Yeah, this is not an issue of semantics. No. And it's not just a matter of wording, which Revoice says and other people have said. Um, I, I'm hoping that we... That, that people will take the time to consider what's going on here when it comes to the issue of, of identity and saying, I am a gay Christian or claiming this, this concept of sexual orientation as a category of personhood. There are implications, and we really need to think about those implications, and we need to make sure. I mean, if, if you believe that that is a fundamental error with revoice, it is appropriate for us to say, listen, we love the those who struggle, Christians who struggle with same-sex desire, same-sex lust. And because we love them, we're saying you cannot uh, put this 
this um, lust or desire in the category of your personhood is right. going to create all kinds of problems for you mentally, emotionally. How are you going to kill your sin without right. killing yourself? That's right. And and um, it would it seems to me if you're there that you would you you say this about revoice, say it plain, say it in love. Um, if if that's fuzzy, if we're not clear um, as Southern Baptists on that on that issue. And this is just a, it's just a misguided thing. And we'll look, they really do, um, they really do say same-sex desire is sinful and they're just really trying to help uh, those. Again, they, they may have those intentions, but the way that they're going about it, if you, if you don't see the issue of sexual orientation at the root of this thing, well, then it's, there is a sense, well, I might not be where they're at, yeah. but I can appreciate, you know, what they're doing. Yeah. Um, well, it comes down not only to you, you've implied this, but I don't know all that Rosaria meant when she said, I'm not in the same uh, religion as the revoice leaders. That's pretty serious, I, I, whatever she meant. It's very serious. But here's what I think. I think she, she seems to understand the issue of orientation and the implications of that. So if I'm saying I am a gay Christian, and that is a part, not only not only is this a sin that it remains in my flesh, that something I do that I need to put to death, but it's a very part of my identity. I don't know how you reconcile that with key doctrines Absolutely. of the Christian faith. So some that come to mind um, are, is um, conversion. You are converted, right? You were brought out of a kingdom of darkness and into a kingdom of light. There is repentance and faith, and this idea of conversion related very much to regeneration. You are born again. You are you you have a new man now, and the old man has died. I, I don't know how you reconcile those things. The the sanctification. I don't know how you reconcile it with sanctification with the sanctifying power of the blood of Christ. Such were some of you, but you were washed. How does that how can you square that? Again, um, you're not squaring that with, with sympathy and uh, love toward those who struggle with same-sex desire. You're having to reconcile that with saying my very identity is mm-hmm. homosexual, is, mm-hmm. is, is marked by that particular sin. I think you even get into issues of, of having, to, having a contradiction with your baptism. I mean, what is your baptism? It's a sign of your union with Christ and, and his death, burial, and resurrection, being raised to walk in newness of life. It's, your, it's a testimony. It's a sign to the eyes of a watching world that I'm a Christian. Yeah. I'm now named. I'm now marked. But now we're bringing into that naming, that very naming of my identity, the sin that, that Jesus, Jesus died, died, for. died for. Yeah, exactly. And, and this is why we've got to get down to that, that basic substrata on which all this stuff is built. Because we have today people identifying themselves as gay Christians who say, I'm an inerratist. Uh, I believe in substitutionary atonement. You know, I, I can sign the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy. Uh, I can sign the Baptist Faith and Message. I mean, they, they think, yeah, okay. You know, we, we can have these confessional uh, documents that we sign off on and maintain this identity. And what we're trying to say is no, there's something fundamentally flawed and it doesn't matter what you say up here. If you are rejecting at the very foundation, what the gospel does for people who embrace it, it changes you. It makes you into a Christian to a disciple of Jesus who has his identity 
in Christ and no longer can identify with the sin that remains within him. Right. This is the this is the theological discussion we need to have. And again, I, I'm I'm struck that it seems to me to be clear. And you know, I I do want to encourage all Southern Baptists. I mean, and I encourage folks that appreciate Founders Ministries and listen to this. And uh, we have to stop. We have to stop accusing people of dishonest attacks when there is an iron sharpening iron moment. We just yeah, have to, that right. does not breed uh, what we need when it comes to, no, we have a disagreement and it's, and yes, the disagreement is public. So much of our lives are public now and often it's private and then it becomes public, <laughs> um, but we have to stop. I mean, we've talked about this again and again, but I still sense people what well, you're attacking and it's malicious. It's like, Brothers and sisters in Christ, we're talking about a very important issue that is yeah. a matter of souls. And yes, it manifests itself in endorsements of conferences, but we have to get down to what the what's the fundamental deal. You know, it's also interesting, the SBC has spoken on this. I'm grateful for this resolution from the SBC on sexuality and personal identity. It just happened mm-hmm. uh, at the recent Southern Baptist Convention. And it seems like we're at least on record in this way uh, about this very issue we've been talking about. Listen to the resolution. It says, whereas many in our culture assume the satisfaction of sexual desire is indispensable to human wholeness and flourishing, which leads some to affirm fallen sexual desires as a defining mark of personal identity. Revoice is certainly in view. It's, a, it's what Revoice is doing. And whereas some brothers and sisters in Christ have tried to affirm God's design for sexuality while embracing a personal identity as gay Christian or a sexual minority. Mm-hmm. That's what they're, they're That's saying. What they're That's exactly uh, Revoice is in view. Whereas this self-understanding and self-expression is open to misinterpretation affirms a sinful desire as a marker of personal identity and may imply that one's sanctification would preclude the possibility of deliverance from same-sex sexual desire, which is absolutely true. Rosaria mm-hmm. says this. This is why the two issues are related. You can say, you can say that same-sex desire is sinful and um, same, my, my same-sex attraction is a part of my identity. You can say both of those things. But I do not see at all how that is actually a tenable position. Right. Right. If it's yeah. a part of your identity, what's going to happen is you're eventually going to, as Rosaria said, you're going to go over to the other side. You're, she's seen people drift in that direction because of the orientation issue. Um, and then the SBC resolution goes on. It says, resolved that the messengers of the Southern Baptist Convention meeting in Birmingham, Alabama, recommend that Christians refrain from describing themselves or embracing a self-identity in ways that suggest affirmation of sinful desires or unbiblical social constructs. Be it further resolved that we call on all Christians who struggle against same-sex attraction, they word it well, to forsake any self-conception or personal identity that's contrary to God's good and holy purposes in creation and redemption. Yeah, and this goes hand in hand with the Nashville statement, which could be stronger in my estimation, but the Nashville statement says in Article 7, we deny that adopting a homosexual or transgender self-conception is consistent with God's holy purposes in creation and redemption. In Article 13, we deny the grace of God in Christ in Christ sanctions self-conceptions that are at odds with God's revealed will. Revoice does that. Uh, Revoice allows for that. And so to identify with Revoice, to support or endorse Revoice in any way, opens up the door for a lot of bad thinking to go on and encouraging people to believe you can think this way and be Christian. 
you can think this way and honor Christ. Well, I'm, Christians can be confused on a lot of issues, and I'm not suggesting that everybody in Revoice, endorsing Revoice, or promoting what's within Revoice is not a Christian. I, mean, that, I don't know. I mean, if you're, if you're a Christian, you're in Christ. But if you're in Christ, you're going to, to be wanting to think Christianly. You're going to want to think what the Bible says and, and order your thoughts by that. And Revoice does not do that. It leaves doors open, and then it actually advocates positions that are contrary to fundamental truths regarding God and man, creation, redemption, and all that is being accomplished in us through the application of that redemption by the work of the Spirit. Yeah. And, you know, on the on the Nashville statement, I'm on a, I mean— we we are burdened to make sure we're representing people well, and so I don't want this. We, there's no attack of Karen Swallow Pryor. I want to be clear. She signed no. the she signed the Nashville right. statement, and so. Uh, but I, I read the Nashville statement again. I was thinking about this deal with sexual orientation. It seems to me that maybe the issue is not seeing how important that Nashville that self conception right is like that is at the root of this thing. You can't you can't do that without experiencing what's going to come downstream Mm -hmm. from saying that this is a part of my identity. So on the face of this, I mean, I know we've gone pretty deep, but it just, I go back to Revoice. Again, all the people that I read, respect, Southern Baptists, when you come out with a conference that right on the face of it is saying we're going to encourage gay and lesbian uh, Christians Christians to do this. Well, we, we, we love the back part, but it's fundamentally Bald. Yeah. And I think the Southern Baptists have an opportunity now to actually have this have this debate if we need to. But are, are we prepared to say that it's not fundamentally flawed and that there is a way to actually help those who are struggling with same sex desire um, with saying, yes, but these people are saying that it's a part of their very identity. Yeah. Um, I disagree strongly I, I, with that. And out of love for the truth and out of love for those people, uh, I call my brothers and sisters to examine these things. Go read Rosaria on this. Read your articles again. Uh, read Denny Burke on this. Read Al Mohler on this. Read Kevin DeYoung on this. Read the Revoice Statement. Read the SBC Resolution and pray that God would help us, give us humility and wisdom as we seek to uh, be faithful to Christ and faithful to those who struggle with same-sex desire. Yeah, because to heal the wound of God's people slightly is to do them more harm than not addressing it at all. Because you give the impression, oh, okay, this has been dealt with, when in reality all you've done is slapped a Band-Aid on it. So this is born out of real love. And conviction, Uh, quite honestly, I don't see how any evangelical institution that says we're going to stay true to Scripture can allow inside of it to teach those students who are going to be sitting in the classrooms of anybody who would say, yeah, I can support revoice. I can endorse revoice in these ways. I think that is wrongheaded. I think it is spiritually disastrous. And I would hope that in this case, Southern Baptists will recognize that. I mean, I hope that Dr. Aiken and the administration and the trustees at Southeastern Seminary recognize this. This is not personal about Karen Swallow Pryor, not personal about uh, the administrators or Dr. Aiken at, at all or the other Seminary presidents have come out and tried to support Dr. Aiken. We love him. Well, I love him too. I praise God for him. We think this is a wrong decision. We think this is a dangerous decision, and we are pleading that it be rectified. Or at least let's sit down and have the conversation 
Yeah. Because there's much more to be said about this, but to let this go on unaddressed and, and to, to be, uh, put off by the, hey, you don't know what you're talking about, or you're a meanie, or look at all these other good things that these people have done. It, it just clouds the issue. Yeah. The question is, are we going to be willing to genuinely try to help people that are caught up in these types of sins by applying the gospel in the way the gospel is set before us in its radical nature to change our identity, to give us everything we need to fight the sin that remains within us for all of us, no matter what our peculiar uh, sin that might stumble us, whatever that is? Or are we going to say, no, you're in a special category because you have an identity right. with your sin that is unlike anything else? And so many Southern Baptists, uh, even the pastors, I know that this is, some guys are having to get brought up to speed on this. Yeah. They're thinking, this is a, okay, I, got, I mean, I got a, I've got some reading, I've got some work to do, and I just want to encourage you to do that reading and do that work because, yes, there are worldly philosophies and ideologies coming in. This stuff that we're talking about is directly connected to our film, By What Standard? Absolutely. And the, the ways, I mean, Rosary gets into this. She talks about how it comes from Freud. She talks about uh, intersectionality and where these identity um, um, initiatives, you know, come right. from. And so... Um, Again, but we're, we, this is why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, so. exactly. And I will, I will just underscore that point. This way of looking at this particular issue is more indebted to intersectionality than it is to careful biblical reading and exegesis. Mm -hmm. It's seeing people in these categories because of the way that they have been treated or are positioned socially uh, in our cultural context. And so that's why Revoice uses the language of sexual minorities. Just think what doors that opens. Sexual minorities. And that's a dangerous way to divide people up. Yeah. Well, boy, we hope that you can hear our heart in all of this. Uh, we love Jesus, love gospel, love everybody involved that has been named and dealt with in this. Um, we, we thank you again for those who are supporting the work that we're doing with this film, By What Standard. Uh, please pray that this film would be profitable, that it would serve Christ and serve his church well. Thank you again for listening to us here at The Sword in the Crowd.